0: Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency.
1: Fasten your seatbelt to listen to this episode with Cassandra Bankson. She's an online beauty pioneer and major YouTuber. When I say major, I mean, you know, millions of eyeballs on her quite frequently. And if you missed it, check out last week's episode with Caroline Fabregas. She's the CEO of Scent Marketing. Hope you enjoy the shows. Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. We are joined today by Cassandra Bankson, online beauty pioneer. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you so much, Jody. It's nice to see
0: you. It's such a pleasure to see you. I know people probably can't see you right now, but you're in this amazing suit that has literal floral patterns all over it. It's mm-hmm. making my morning. It's very
1: 70s, but I really love it. Um, so... This is kind of early in the morning for me.
0: Is it early for you? I'm from San Francisco, so being here in New York, it's like a three hour time change. You know, running on caffeine and (laughs) adrenaline. (laughs) So tell us how you're gonna spend your day today. So today, I'm actually headed to the YouTube space. That's a space that YouTube has for their top creators that has cameras, sets, and studios. I'm working on a few nonprofit projects where I'm trying to bring out the true stories of the people behind the makeup. Show and showcase their beauty and their fashion, but really Um, the underlying causes that have caused them to be in the life situation that they are, how they've grown from that, and how they're using that to help the world. Are you allowed to say who you're supporting in these videos? Not yet. You can totally check them out online in like a month and a half, though. Okay. So
1: um, you said you're a YouTube top content creator. Yes. What does it mean and how do you get
0: there to be a YouTube top content creator? You know, YouTube is great because they have so many different opportunities for different levels of creators. For me specifically, I have, which is crazy to say, but over a million followers across social media. And for me, I don't like to think about that because, I mean, I grew up as this girl with acne who was suffering and just wanted a friend. So the way I see it is that I've got a million butterflies, my little family of butterflies who have gone through this transformation with me of finding what beauty means to them. Them. And what's amazing about YouTube is that they offer these spaces to people who don't have as many followers, to people who have way more than me, but they, you know, they have this space where people can create and really make their dreams come to life. And what it means to be a top creator, I guess that's different in different eyes. As a brand, you would see that as one thing. As a creator, I see that as something different. And um, as an overall human, I just see that as meaning people Resonate with the things that I believe in and want to hear what I have to say and I'm blessed that they give me that time That's so great. So YouTube allows you to just schedule in exactly. It's great And then they give us certain cameras certain sets certain studios uh, Editing suites and um, because I you know have a little bit more privilege there I get to book things a little bit more last-minute, which is really helpful That's so great. That sounds fun. I'd love to join you one day. And I would love that. Watch you behind the scenes. That'd be really
1: fun. i love that. Yeah. So um, we were introduced by Kate, um, my publicist, who knew you from working on other, other jobs for other clients. And um, today is actually her birthday. So we can do a little birthday shout out to her. Yes,
0: please. Happy birthday, Kate. <laughs>
1: I love her. Yeah. She's probably still sleeping. It's a little early for us. Um, so let's talk about... YouTube, because um, I am a big believer in YouTube, and I think, you know, content creators understand it, but I don't think their brands really fully understand it. Um, would you agree?
0: I would agree. I'm nodding my head yes, because when you think about YouTube, it is a social media platform. And the reason that people have followers is because people resonate with that message. And I mean, I started back in 2010. So back from before YouTube even offered payment for advertisements versus now every single brand wants to have a YouTube channel and wants to sponsor a creator. And I think the difference is that in traditional marketing and advertising, brands put a lot of money into their brand and they have these specific things they want to say or do. And instead of coming to creators and trying to be super collaborative, many of them do come and say, you're going to say these five lines, we're going to pay you this amount of money, and you're going to create a commercial, which is well and dandy if it's going on the brand's platform or somewhere that the brand has normal viewers. But if you're taking a creator and almost walking into their home, Mm -hmm. into their online digital space and trying to change things up, the audience normally doesn't take to that well because the reason the audience is there is to see the creator and what the normal programming is. So I think that, where the best of both of those worlds meet is when brands say, this is who we are as a brand, this is what we do, this is what we're trying to get across, and you as a creator resonate in these three ways. How can we authentically put this into your programming?
1: So we'll get back to YouTube and branded content, but let's go back in time. Um, You have an incredibly revealing acne journey that you're um, so beautifully open to sharing. Can you start at the beginning for our listeners?
0: Thank you. Yes. The beginning was actually third grade. I got my first pimple in the third grade. Didn't know what it was. It's really young, right? It was really young. Yeah. And one of my friends named Carolyn was like, what's that? Is that a wart? And I ran home to my mom. I was like, mom, do I have a wart? Is it contagious? She's like, oh, no, honey, it'll go away. Don't worry. Little did she know it wouldn't go away. I ended up developing acne that took over 85 to 90% of my face, chest, and back. Um, Is that like a middle school time, high school time? It was middle school, mm-hmm. middle school and high school, and it was traumatizing, because this was my biggest insecurity, and I was wearing it on my face. Mm-hmm. Um, kids, and your
1: chest and your back.
0: And my chest and my mm-hmm. back, which I covered with shirts, mm-hmm. but still. Kids would call me things like the exorcist, the disease, freak of nature. Um, Pizza face, like a lot of different really cruel things, mm-hmm. and I definitely took those and magnified those within my own head.
1: Did you have um, a solid
0: crew of friends
1: at this time? I did not. Uh-huh. I
0: had one friend um, who was part of a group of about five, and all of the other four hated me. So you know, it was really uh, it was really great to be hanging out with like the one friend that I had, and then the four other friends who just didn't like me. Um, So you had one friend who she would dislodge herself from the group to hang out with you? No, I would like, I don't even know. I basically just wanted to be her friend so bad Mm -hmm. that I probably followed her around like a lost puppy. And for me at the time, I was like, oh yeah, we're best friends. Mm -hmm. But she probably was like,
1: get off of me. Mm -hmm. And she was just probably the nicest of all the group of five. Probably, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So she was gentle with you in that sense, but you
0: weren't part of the group. Pretty much. She had acne, and she was taking medication that helped her. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess, why we were able to connect. But everybody else really hated me. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, what does a
1: kid who's in middle school and high school do when, like, these acne slurs are being sent your way?
0: Um. For me, I did a couple different things. One is that I would run away from those problems, and I would change inside the bathroom instead of changing in the locker room for gym. Um, The second is I tried to kind of make it a joke. There was a time in Steel Drum Band where it was like a music class, Mm -hmm. and in Steel Drum Band, this kid named James beside this, this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um... When I was in Steel Brand, there was a fellow student of mine named James who was like, oh look, Cassandra has a pimple on her chest, you should pop it. I was like, fine. (gasps) It was horrible, it was horrible. But I became like this laughing stock and everyone would laugh at me and I was like, oh, they're laughing at me, they're paying attention to me. Mm -hmm. I'm worthwhile for at least something. Mm -hmm. And so kind of made myself the blunt of the joke, uh, the brunt of the joke. And other than that, I had a problem with picking, and I think that later on that stemmed into other self-destructive mean, behaviors. Picking at the, the pimples. Picking oh. at my skin, uh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. And then it became almost this psychological, disruptive behavior that carried on throughout my life. So do you think like the picking was sort of like a control, like it has some sort of control over your skin? I think it was. And it was also, this is going to sound horrible, but like... You know how when you pop a pimple, it's like at least something's happening? Yeah. You know it's not good. Yeah. You know that it's It's bad. It's satisfying. It's satisfying. It's like, yes, I got rid of it. Like, I know it's going to leave a scar, and there's a mark there, and it's gross. But, like, at least something is happening. Whereas I could use products for a month and not notice a difference because it was literally my entire face. Right. Um, And, unfortunately, I started to depend on both that release of, like, that. Pop, right, right. As well as almost like a, a sensation of like pain, yeah. Um, and that I think turned into more self-destructive behaviors as I got older because I almost relied on that as a method of drowning out everything else around me. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you walk into a classroom, everyone stares at you and someone yells, "Exorcist! Right. Disease! Right. Did you wash your face today? It's every day! Filthy! Right? Yeah!" It's really hard to pay attention to your schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And when I would focus on pain, or when I would focus on you know something very pinpointed. It, it would drown out everything else around me. Think of it as like um, a laser beam versus a lampshade. The lampshade casts light everywhere, and if it's lighting up an entire room with a bunch of messages that are really distracting painted on the walls, so that doesn't feel so good. Right. But if you pinpoint that light into a laser beam, you can focus on just one point. Uh-huh. And um, that, for me, unfortunately, was a very negative method of coping. Right. So, this is um, a time where you're seeing physicians, right? You're going to dermatologists? Yes. <laughs> seeing uh, regular physicians, seeing dermatologists, getting pills prescribed, really being thrown like a hot potato from physician to physician. And I was put on multiple medications. I was never a candidate for Accutane because I have one kidney. And my parents wouldn't let me go on birth control. And for women, that's a requirement. Uh, I tried so many medications, didn't expect to have some of the side effects. I would throw up every day. Oh, my God. Um, some made me gain weight. Some destroyed my intestines. Um, I tried topical creams. I tried a couple different light therapies. And it got to the point that after, after high school, I had seen 24 dermatologists who either couldn't help or turned me down or said, I don't know what to do, see this other specialist. And this that's,
1: is so fascinating because you're, you're young, right? How old are you? I'm 25. Okay, so this is not like 40 years ago, no. right? And you live in a metropolitan area. San Francisco. Right? So area, it's not yeah. like you don't have access to you know, innovative physicians and you know people in the business. Or, exactly. You know, moving the industry forward. Um, it's kind of surprising to me that mm-hmm. this couldn't be
0: solved for you. And what was frustrating is that, as I started to do some of my own research, I would ask doctors, like, oh, does my diet have anything to do with this? Or, I heard that stress levels could affect this. And they would just say, oh, we'll take this pill. Or, oh, use this topical cream. Or, oh, pay for this treatment. Mm-hmm. And I understand where some of them were coming from, especially when I saw dermatologists who had a specialty in other things, such as melanoma spots and cancer. Right. Obviously, they're not apt to treating someone with acne. But I even, I saw a very well-known dermatologist who has created uh, an amazing product line. And even she wasn't able to fix my skin. And certain things would make a slight difference, Mm -hmm. but if I've still got 50% of my face covered in literal boils that feel like braille Mm -hmm. when you run your hands over them and they're inflamed and they're swollen and you can't sleep because it hurts so bad to put your face on the pillow, um, it's it's really hard.
1: So as we're talking, and I know our listeners can't see you, but you're smiling the whole time.
0: You're talking about really painful things. How do you have a smile? I think that the reason why is because, number one, I was always used to putting on a smile Mm -hmm. when I talked about hard things because you get really good at faking it. Mm -hmm. But also I feel like this smile is genuine because I also recognize that if it weren't for all of that trauma that I've been through, I never would have started speaking about acne. Mm-hmm. I never would have gone to school to try to study skin. Mm-hmm. I never would have gotten clear skin, which I have now because I worked hard at it and I learned what's right for me. And I wouldn't have a million people who believe in the same message of learning what beauty is to them inside and out and treating themselves both holistically and medically mm-hmm. and making their best decisions. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I, I, it's hard to say, but I see acne as a blessing.
1: Right. Right, I, I can understand that because yeah. it's gotten you, it's moved you through something. There was this um, saying, like, if you're going through hell, keep walking or keep moving, yeah.
0: right? Like, and you, that's what you did, right? You kept moving forward. It gave me my purpose in life. If it weren't for acne, I would have been caught up in trying to buy the latest pair of designer jeans because that would make me popular, right? right? And now I realize that I have such a bigger purpose and that I'm able to connect with people like you, people like some of my followers, with people like the people that I'm shooting with later today who I believe are making a difference in the world and there's no better feeling than that. Let's talk about um,
1: your parents a little bit. What, What were they doing or like what, my guess is they probably felt pretty helpless. Um, But I think a lot of our listeners are probably thinking like, oh, what do I do when my
0: kid is going through this? Yeah. I've actually had the opportunity to speak to both parents and physicians about this because it is so hard. When you look at the social and societal structures of children, especially teenagers, they're going through acne and through hormones, but this is also a time where they're creating their own sense of independence. And so when a parent comes to them, they're more likely to listen to their friends, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because they are experimenting with their boundaries and their social economical place in this world. They're trying to create their own identity. And for my parents, you know, my mom was always very supportive. And she would be like, oh, honey, they're just gorgeous because you're tall. They're just gorgeous because you have a great smile. But especially in my own perspective, when my mom would say that, of course she was trying to build me up and make Mm -hmm. me feel better. But to me, it felt like she didn't understand me. It was like, no, Mom, I'm not tall and gorgeous. I don't have a great smile. I'm an ugly parasitic disease. And that almost created this distance between us because even though she was trying to help, I felt like she didn't see things from my perspective, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it created this gap where I could no longer go to her. And then who did I go to? The only group of friends I had, you think about it, kids go to school, they come home. Mm -hmm. They have maybe a church group, that's it. Mm -hmm. They don't have a huge support team. And so I went to the friends who were making me feel worse about right, myself. Right, And I also think that when it comes to parents, um, of course they're trying their best, but also when a child is being told somebody by, when a child is being told something by a parent mm-hmm. and they're going through this rebellious stage, they might not want to listen. They might rebel on purpose and Obviously, my parents were trying to do their best, but my mom had two pimples on her wedding day. Mm -hmm. She'd never dealt with this, Mm -hmm. so I felt like she didn't understand me, and then she would say things like, honey, in five years this won't matter, Mm -hmm. but to a child, There is no five years. There is no next week. What happens today is essential. And as they grow up and fall down, scrape their knees and get back up, they'll realize the world's a lot bigger. But as a child, they don't have that perspective yet. And I think that for parents and physicians, it's important to understand um, some of the limited constraints of a child's mind or a teenager's mind, that they haven't had those experiences. And sometimes you need to fall down to pick yourself back up. I feel like the most... In an ideal world for my situation, the most uplifting and positive thing that my parents could have done would have been to say, hey, honey, I know that this bothers you. I don't know what it feels like to be in your skin. Here's some information. I'm just gonna leave it here. If you have questions, you can ask me. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Whereas, you know, I had a step-grandma who would come over and try to put every single product on my face and poke at me, and it just made me feel like a lab specimen. I was like, I'm not your doll. I'm not a lab rat and nothing would work. So it made me feel worse. Then she's like, wow, I don't know what's wrong with your skin. And I internalized that for my step grandma as, wow, I don't know what's wrong with you. Right. Of course. (laughs) So, um, you know,
1: this is, this is really moving to hear. And, um, I would assume that the work you do now is very therapeutic, right? Is it like sort of healing those wounds
0: for myself? Yes, Mm -hmm. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Um, I mean, I find this podcast as a form of therapy for myself because I get to like, talk about what's hard and yeah. like, have people who are in my shoes also, like, talk about what's hard for them. And, like, we're not robots in this industry. We're real people with, you know, real yeah. problems. And, um, you know, I, re- I really commend you on talking to parents because I Thank think um, it's hard to watch your kid go through something that uh, you have no control over, right? Mm-hmm. Um And I think it's really hard for that child to hear things that might make them feel like this is their fault, right? Or that, you know, they're not doing X, Y, and Z, so A, B, and C is happening. And um, it's really just an out-of-control situation.
0: That's just Mm -hmm. unfortunate. There's no blame. Exactly. But as a child, unfortunately, um, sometimes children tend to take blame where they shouldn't. Mm And sometimes you don't know if a child is internalizing that, you know, and also, but as a parent, you want to do your best. This is your baby. Like, of course you want to help. And I, I mean, I still, I can't imagine what it would, what it was like for my mom to sit there and see her daughter suffer and not know what to do. Right. And then to be pushed away by your daughter Mm -hmm. who you're trying to help. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that I probably made it so much worse on her, um, but at least now I can see that from an outside perspective and at least share my story and what I've learned and the social psychology behind it to try to help other people who are either being bullied in school or who are going through this issue of wanting to help but not knowing what to do. Right. And again, um, so one thing, I'm personally a vegan, but I don't sit here and tell you, oh, you should eat this. Oh, you should eat that. If I did that to you, you'd probably push me away. Right, right. And that's how I kind of learned like maybe this is how we should treat acne. It's I'm vegan, this is what I eat, this is what I do. If you have questions, come and ask me. But I'm not gonna force my opinions onto you. And that's the way I see acne. Is that if a dermatologist treats you for like a skin spot and then they're like, oh well you've got acne, it could it could offend the patient. It could make the patient feel worse. But if it's like hey if you ever have questions about other skin issues Mm -hmm. or if a parent says hey if you ever want me to look over some paperwork with you. If you ever want me to take you to a doctor, answer any questions, let me know. And that opens communication as opposed to uh, forcing an outcome. Let's talk about the kid. So let's go back to being,
1: I guess, 14, 15. Um, These insults are flying your way. You don't have alliances, right? Um, The relationships in school. Um, What can you say, what advice can you give to that 14-year-old you to make um, getting through that easier? Or um, what would
0: you have liked to do if you, yes. if you had that power and knowledge as yes. a, that 14, 15 year old self? What I would want to go back and just hold that child, hold that 14 year old self and say, is that I know it's hard, but your struggles are validated. I'm not going to tell you that it gets better Mm because it might not get better for a long time. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it doesn't matter because to you, it matters right now. But I want to tell you that everything you're feeling is valid. Your feelings, your emotions, your opinions all matter because you matter even if you don't feel like it. I needed that validation. And I think that regardless of what someone's going through, um, They should know that whatever they are feeling is okay, Mm -hmm. and they are allowed—feelings are part of life. They're allowed to feel those things, and they should try to find ways to make the situation better, but that's all going to happen in its own time. Right. Right. Well,
1: tell us how you did cure yourself, right? The physicians weren't able to help you completely. What did you do?
0: So I started by going to aesthetic school, and I started putting myself through pretty much skincare training. Um, My goal now is to become a dermatologist, and I'm well on my way. But even as I was going through, we would always be working on products and treatments and all these other things, and slightly some holistic stuff would come in such as maybe diet and water has an effect on your skin, such as, okay, if stress can cause acne, how can we mediate stress instead of putting a pill in its place? And as these other things kind of, you know, were there in the ether, I thought to myself, well, why am I not treating both sides of myself? Why am I only focusing on my skin? Why am I not looking at what I'm putting in my body or these other things? And I had many digestional issues because of those pills I had taken. I would basically swell up, Mm. I was asked if I was pregnant by people, Mm. I had irritable bowel syndrome, a lot of swelling, retention, and pain. And the doctor had put me on these different diets, a bland diet, all this different stuff, and I was miserable for like a year and a half. How old were you at this time? This was about 19. Mm -hmm.
1: So you were um, out of high school at this point? Yes. And you're studying to be an esthetician?
0: Yes. Okay. And uh, through college to be a dermatologist. And I'm going through all of this pain and not knowing how to treat it. And the doctor's having me on these crazy diets. It's really ruining my self-esteem because my body's changing. I don't know what to eat. I don't know what's safe. I don't know what's not safe. And it's all very confusing because you have conflicting information from every single corner of the web, from every family member, from everyone. And essentially, I went online and I saw one of those videos that, you know, animal rights activists posts. And overnight, I was like, if if watching these videos isn't good enough for my eyes, why is that food good enough for my stomach? And so I went vegan for ethics issues. And I never would have expected it to have a difference in my skin. But within six months, my skin cleared to probably 40, 50 percent which was more than it had cleared in years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, Like, is my skincare working? I must be doing something right. I gotta do my skincare twice as much. Which, you know, kind of was overkill and made it a little bit worse, but the biggest thing was my audience was giving me feedback. I was giving them feedback, showing them, hey, I'm cutting out meat and dairy. This is what's happening. this is how I'm feeling. Hey, I'm trying this new product. Hey, guys, I sat down and I did this thing called meditation, and it was really hard because all I could think about was what's happening later this evening. Mm-hmm. But my audience would give me feedback about what had worked for them. and alternatives and holistic therapies and alternative medicines that were working for them. And I choked down thistle root and like dandelion root and it was horrible and it didn't work. (laughs) And then I switched my laundry detergent and that happened to help. And uh, over time I started to figure out that it's not all just about skincare. Growing up I thought that if I just got the skincare recipe right, that I would be golden. Mm -hmm. And then as I communicated with people and took their advice and shared my own experience, I realized our bodies are all connected in super different ways. My knee is connected to my hip, which is Mm -hmm. connected to my heart through different areas of the body. Why would I ignore something like diet? Why would I ignore something like inflammation caused by stress when that can show up in my skin? And as I started to take on those other things, uh, as of last year, my skin is completely clear. Oh, congratulations. It's awesome. Thank you. And as a beauty blogger, I still try new products, so I mess it up sometimes Mm -hmm. on accident because I think it's also having this platform. It's my duty having this platform and education. It's my duty to look at skincare ingredients, try them out, and share with people. Who is this good for? Who is this not good for? So that consumers can make educated decisions and know where they're spending their money instead of just throwing it at advertisements. Right. And sometimes that makes me break out a little bit, uh-huh. but I think it's all worth it in the long run. So now
1: you're studying to be a dermatologist. Yes. So this is medical school. Yes. Um. You know, I'm kind of amazed at your time management because you're doing a lot of things. <laughs> it's and, a little intense, <laughs> right? Um, and you know, you spoke before about you know the, the pills being thrown at mm-hmm. you and the creams and potions being thrown at you by physicians. So now you're in medical school. You're learning what they've learned right? But it sounds like you have a little bit of a different point of
0: view about it now. So how do you reconcile this? Yeah, what's so difficult is that when you look at any degree or any major, there are certain requirements that you have to go through. And there are certain standards that dictate how the tests are made, that dictate what the right answers are, that Mm -hmm. dictate what you're going to put down. And what's hard is that, you know, in anatomy and physiology, it's pretty cut forward. You know, this is where this organ is. This is what should happen. But when it comes to patient treatment, especially in the mental health sphere, I'm also trying to work on kind of psychological and social things because it interests me. Um, It's hard because when you look at the paper, you know what answer you have to mark in order to get the right answer in order to pass the test. But I also know that when it comes to these communication things and when it comes to treatment things that that might not be the answer that I would give to somebody in real life. Mm -hmm. And I mean that's hard and that comes from my personal experience but finding that diet played such a major role in my acne and stress played such a major role in my acne you know when I become a dermatologist would I feel correct prescribing a pill to somebody knowing that it's diet or stress that's affecting them. Now if they're in danger of scarring and if it's bad and if I think that a pill could help them, then yes, absolutely, because otherwise they're going to scar. Mm-hmm. But if I think that it's caused by one of these other issues and, you know, they don't need a pill or it's it's not scarring, like, I just, I couldn't imagine giving somebody medication that would do to them what some of the side effects, the rare ones, did to me, you know, and then the root of the cause is still there. Right. So do you have,
1: like, a... Dermatologist mentor who have a few. Yeah, like who believe in the same sort of philosophy that you believe in.
0: Uh One of the only dermatologists who ever listened to me about food and acne was Dr. Sonia Badrisha Benshal. She's amazing. She also treats ethnic skin, which a lot of people said, like, oh, like you don't have ethnic skin, why would you see her? She understood pigmentation. She understood different kinds of skin. Certain people who have more melanin, more darkness in their skin, are more prone to scar and more s- prone to pigment. And unfortunately, they might use an over-the-counter product that could actually destroy their skin or could actually cause some of these long-term pigment spots when they're just trying to clear their acne. Right. And so she was really used to working with those type of subpatients, patients So she knew that you have to be really careful in certain situations, and there might be weird alternatives that you don't see right off the bat. And she was the only person who validated my experience with food and acne. Mm -hmm. She said, like, I don't know for sure that food causes acne or that certain foods don't cause acne. I can't say that they do or they don't, but if you found that's true for you, Let's keep experimenting. Mm-hmm. Bring me a food log. Let's see how this is actually working mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And again, it was that approach where she kind of stood back and says, if you have questions, ask me. Right. And you're validated in what you're experiencing. Right. That's wonderful. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you found her. I love her. Yeah. So um,
1: let's talk about being vulnerable okay right? which is basically how you spend most of your time now <laughs> yeah. um, so you had to be vulnerable as a child because you couldn't hide right like you had a mask of acne there's n- nothing you can do about it right if you had acne only on your back you could have hit it and yeah. you wouldn't have to be vulnerable but you lived your life um being forced to be vulnerable um and now you choose to be vulnerable yes right which is a shift it is um Tell us about the, the first video that you made that you know was really when you were like putting yourself out there for the first time and what that felt like.
0: The first video that I filmed when it came to my acne was terrifying. At this point, I had learned to do makeup so well that I was a runway model. And this was very hypocritical of myself. Because I mean, here I was the ugly duckling in school, bullied for my acne. And now, simply because I was able to cover it up so expertly, it took me three years, but because I figured out how to use makeup to my advantage, I was now being paid to be beautiful. And how old were you at this time? Uh, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. How do both of those things fit within the same body? Ugly duckling, freak of nature, waste of life and air. Right. To beautiful model, runway walker. Like to advertise right. things in magazines. Right. like Those don't fit in the same body. And for me, YouTube taught me makeup. I would go to Sephora nobody could cover my acne. Mm-hmm. And it was because I was watching other people online that I was like, ooh, this is what foundation is. This is what concealer is. Nobody else was talking about acne. I didn't think anybody else had it. But I was like, okay, let's see what they're doing and let me apply their techniques and see if I can help my skin. And as I was doing that, I was able to become a runway model because I was able to cover my skin so well. But I felt like I was living a lie every day. Right. So every casting you went to, you had the full face of makeup Exactly. Right. And they would say, come with no makeup. Right. And I was like, I'll come with no makeup except for this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I just felt like I was living such a lie. Because I was putting on a mask every day. And filming that video was almost my way of clearing my conscience. I knew that I had a couple people who I was talking about online with beauty, but I also knew how it felt like to live in my own skin. And if I was able to figure out the makeup that stopped me from hurting myself, that stopped me from wanting to commit suicide, that gave me the shield that I needed to go out and make friends, yeah, it was a shield, yeah, it was a wall, yeah, it was a mask, but if it weren't for that mask, I wouldn't have learned my true identity. Because for so long, I wasn't Cassandra. I was not Cassandra Banks and who was she? I was acne. Mm -hmm. I was worthless. I was acne. I did not have an identity beyond that. And when I learned to apply makeup, okay, I could go out. I could meet someone who's wearing a cool floral jumpsuit. You know, I could go out and I could learn what kind of things I enjoyed, what kind of foods I like, that I like hiking and cats. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I built an identity. I realized who Cassandra really is. And then I didn't need the makeup anymore. But that video was terrifying because it was the first time I was exposing my skin to the entire world my biggest insecurity that I was willingly putting out there knowing it could destroy my modeling career Mm
2: -hmm.
0: knowing that it could lose me a lot of the friends that I had made knowing that it could really hurt me in the long run but I felt like if this is what I did to not have to hate myself every day it's my duty to share that with whoever might be suffering I mean, this was 2010. Nobody really knew what YouTube was and Google was there, but like, what was Google? Um, I never expected that people would watch it or that anybody other than the people that were searching for it would see it. Did you tell your friends
1: at the time that you were doing it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Nobody
0: knew. Right, because you couldn't risk losing them. Could not risk. And nobody, I mean, I jumped offline for five months. Once I posted that video... I just completely abandoned everything online because I was so scared mm-hmm. I mean imagine if you're told every single day that you're a waste of air if you're told every single day that you don't deserve to live because you're doing a disservice to other people by just being in the same room because of how ugly you are, you expect to get that online mm-hmm. especially because online is anonymous
1: right I mean that's what I'm thinking like you went from being like forced to be vulnerable because of you know the acne every day. Then choosing to be vulnerable, but you're putting yourself back in that situation of like just the ugly getting thrown yeah. at you left and right by strangers. At least the kids yeah. in school, like they were face to face. It's almost like you know who it was. More yeah. courageous on yeah. their part. Um, this is a very tricky spot
0: to be in. It was, and I left. I didn't even look at the video for four months because mm-hmm. I was so afraid of what was going to be said. And it wasn't until four months later that I went back online and I was like, oh, my God, that thing. And I remember I was um, sitting at a friend's house and I remember this rush of just terror coming over of me. Because, and I, I remember what it felt like because I was like, oh, my God, I had that thing out there on the Internet. I wonder who's seen it. It was almost like something I'd pushed to the back of my mind. Wow, so you were, you were really moving through the world not thinking about not the Not thinking about it because yeah. I had just put it out there and I left. Right. And when I went back to check, I broke down in tears because it was the first time that people had ever loved, embraced, and commended me for who I truly was. Mm -hmm. People were watching that video and saw me with no filters, no makeup, Mm -hmm. no ego, Mm -hmm. like literally bare to the bone. And people were telling me that I was beautiful. People were telling me that they saw themselves in me or that this video helped them become vulnerable in their own life. Mm-hmm. There was a woman who said that she had issues with her fiancé and that they were thinking of canceling their marriage and going through a divorce because they had just gotten married and he still hadn't seen her without her makeup. Mm. And he felt like she was hiding from him. She was able to take off her makeup because of that video. Mm-hmm. And she was able to be vulnerable with him and kind of reconcile their their marriage, their engagement. This must be very and I'm emotional just like, for you. It is, <laughs> because it's like I never would have expected my pain to be reflected in other people's experience, and that we could come like it's like a dumping ground for pain. Mm-hmm. And you know how feel like how good it feels to let go of that.
2: Yeah,
0: and it, it was like it was a turning point for me in how I saw humanity. I was like, wow, <laughs> there's kindness out there. There's goodness out there. I can be loved for who I am. I don't need to try so hard. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. So that was eight years ago? Yeah, Uh, seven, Seven, yeah. Seven years ago.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And people, I'm sure, still watch this video.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's got like, what, 30 million views? I don't know. I don't count. Numbers scare me.
1: Okay. Do, you, do you have any data on like how many young people suffer with like severe
0: acne? Yes. So in America alone, it's over 60 million. Mm-hmm. That's more followers than you know some of your favorite celebrities. Right. Right. And only about 20 million are getting treatment. So there's a gap of 40 million people in America alone who are looking for help but not seeking it out properly. Right. And then in other countries, there's so many more. And then you have different genetics, different food, different environments and pollutants in the air, different skin types. You have people who are suffering with acne in some of these other countries who are purchasing products you know, from somewhere like the U.S. that end up hurting their skin, that end up causing pigmentation, that end up causing scarring and being detrimental. So there's definitely a lack of information. There's a lack of both combining medicine and holistic care. And I also think that there's just a lack of communicating about it. Because again, it's an insecurity. Nobody wants to talk about this. And also like, when it comes to acne medications, there are legalities as to what can be called an acne medication. There could be something that's curing people's acne. But if it's not FDA approved, and studied to a certain extent and has these certain licenses, it can't even be called an acne product. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, just by the laws of labeling, people might not even pick up a product that could help them because the label is not allowed to say right. acne, right? which is really tough.
1: So let's use our last few minutes to just talk about what all of our listeners or marketers want to hear about, which awesome. is um, the practical aspect. So we're gonna wipe away the tears and we're gonna talk <laughs> business for a few minutes. Sounds good. Um, about like, you know, as a content creator, someone who is a voice for many, um, you know, are you the type of person who from a business perspective will say, oh, if you're going to Pay me, I'll do it. Um, or is there an editing process and a curation process? And you know, just give me like I guess a yeah. sense of your headspace around like you know you are running a business.
0: There. How do you run a business and feel authentic about it? There's definitely a vetting process, and I have to be honest. In the past, I was not authentic to myself. As you said, it's a business, and I decided to hire a manager and a publicist and an assistant to help me. And unfortunately, a while ago, I hired a team that did not understand who and what I am. And unfortunately, I was pushed when I was on the fence about something to take opportunities that did not align with me. And I will be the first to admit that I accidentally hurt and almost like cut out some of my own audience mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, Cassandra, like you believe in cruelty-free beauty. You believe in natural beauty. Why are you promoting this product? Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause I definitely think this product could help some people, but is it a product that I would spend my own money on? No. And so that for me, especially today, I'm like, hell no, I won't even touch it, mm-hmm. but <laughs> At that time, I was under certain guidance. I was trying to be a good girl and do the business thing, and I made some bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Happy that that happened because I learned from it. So would you say, like, as people are, like, throwing opportunities at you, like your team's throwing
1: opportunities at you, that, like, self-doubt about who you really were was
0: um, kind of what was coming through, like these people know better, these exactly. are professionals. Exactly. Well, my manager at the time had been in the industry for so many years. I totally trusted her blindly mm-hmm. to the point that that was a really bad decision.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, just because she obviously had her own motives, and I didn't realize that those were different than mine. Mm-hmm. And so when my care was about my audience and curating a community, she's the business side. She wants to make money. Right. And if we're not communicating effectively, that's gonna cause a conflict, which, unfortunately, the conflict was hurting the audience because I'm promoting things that weren't authentic to me. Right,
1: so what kind of um, feedback were you getting from your audience when they were, like, disappointed in the choices? Um,
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I remember promoting a line that was a luxury line, and again, I do acne, Mm -hmm. I do skincare, I do science, I do empowerment. I don't do luxury beauty. Mm-hmm. And I remember this this one person commented and she was like, "Oh my god, this this tutorial like really, yeah, I'll go buy these right after I fly away on my golden pegasus." <laughs> and it made me laugh, but I was also like, "Oh my god, like I'm not even relatable to the people who I relate to most. Right, right. And I mean, I have a new team, and I'm, I've for the past while now, I'm at this point where I feel so good. Because I can go to bed with myself at night. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you need to be okay with what happens so that you can go to sleep. And I'm okay with what happens, and I can put my head to rest on that pillow. Right, so what you're saying is um, I'm willing to not reach a certain income level to oh. feel whole. What's amazing, exactly, is that for a while it was about the income, which was totally backwards. And I realized this isn't gonna make me happy. And then mm-hmm. the more money you earn, it's never enough because you have to compete with the next big thing. Right. And I basically stepped away and I was like, what am I truly passionate about? What is my purpose here? And when you focus on that passion, the finances don't become anything. Mm -hmm. And when I made the stance of saying, yeah, I eat vegan, why am I not wearing vegan fashion? Why am I not using cruelty-free beauty? Like, my audience was calling me out, they were like, Cassandra, you're being really hypocritical, why are you using this brand that tests on animals? So I said, you know what, done. Mm -hmm. I will not use a brand that tests on animals. And I thought, okay, it's gonna say bye-bye to a lot of marketing dollars, it's gonna be hard, whatever ended up being better. Mm -hmm. Because then, the vegan brands wanted to sponsor me. PETA wanted to work with me. These different organizations wanted to work with me because of who I authentically was. Mm. And I didn't have to pretend to be anybody else. I didn't have to push a product that I felt uncomfortable with. And then my content was no longer eh type of content. Now I'm super passionate about the brands I work with and the content I create. Because especially if you come to me, if you have a brand that I don't absolutely love, but you're offering me a lot of money and I take it, I'm going to create that content for the money but I'm going to be like, oh, this brand like go buy it. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be super authentic. But now you come to me, you say, "I'm a cruelty-free brand. I believe in natural beauty. I believe in, you know, sustainable packaging." I believe in the message that you're spreading to people. I'm like, oh my God, I can completely get behind you. I'm passionate about your message. Let's create something amazing. Because mm-hmm. number one, I think that we align. And then number two, because we align, you're gonna align with my audience. And I can help my audience through what you have to offer. Right, And in, and in that, that
1: sense, you're an editor then.
0: Exactly, and it and it has made me more money in the long run. Mm-hmm. Because I'm now like attracting the type of people that I've wanted to work with all along, and the type of people who wanna work with me. And because that's a niche of cruelty-free global good empowerment Mm -hmm. science behind beauty and acne I'm able to serve these brands in such a meaningful way and I'm able to serve my audience in such an impactful way. Right. And so they know that they can come to me for authenticity. And brands know that they can come to me for a very niche audience. Right. Um, it's and been way better. Do you <laughs> ever talk about brands that haven't given you compensation? Oh yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. Actually a lot of my brand deals start like that. Oh, interesting. I'll go buy this product, I'll go buy this food, I'll go buy this thing, I'll start ranting and raving about it. And they'll be like, hey, you think we're cool? We actually think you're really cool. We're working on this specific thing for Christmas or working on this specific campaign for holiday or for Mm -hmm. summer can we have you be the face of it or can we pay you to promote our launch and Mm -hmm. I'm like hell yeah I would have done it anyways (laughs) I love this thank you so much for sharing all this you know this story about
1: like really um, honing in on your true voice your whole whole self and moving through the world authentically is something I really connect with and it's like I'm a work in progress. You know, I'm getting there. But there was like a moment um, just a few years ago in my business where, you know, my day job, I run this creative agency and I felt like I had to be cool.
0: Yeah, And I'm just really not cool. Like I'm really not. (laughs) Same! Okay, so if there's one thing that I think people should take away from this, it's the fact that don't be anyone other than who you are. For the longest time, you were trying to be cool. Yeah. I fit into that as well. I've tried that too hard I let go. For the longest time, I was trying to fit into being pretty Mm -hmm. without having acne. Mm -hmm. But when you let that go and started doing your own business thing, when I let go of trying to be perfect and said, this is who I truly am. This is what my acne looks like. I'm dealing with it. You can start the conversation, you can start the awareness, you can start the healing, Mm -hmm. and you can learn from those lessons, and it puts you in a direction through a door that you didn't even know was there. And that's gonna lead you to your true passion and to what you're truly meant to do in this world. And of course, that will be surrounded by people who love you and by financial health and things like that. But if you don't chase your passion, you're not gonna be able to enjoy what you do. And if you don't enjoy what you do, nobody else will wanna work with you or wanna be around you. So, and that's a hard lesson that I have to learn because, you know, the world tells us that XYZ is beautiful Mm -hmm. or that XYZ car is important or that we should have these things to be successful. But if you. Or look successful. Or look. Mm -hmm. Right? Or look successful. And I dealt with materialism a lot in the past. Never made me happy. Mm -hmm. But when I was passionate about what I started doing, people started to see that. And I think that's very important for brands to understand. Because when you think about it, think of a brand as a giant person, right? Right. This is a person with certain likes and certain dislikes and it has certain people that it wants to surround itself by. And if that brand is not passionate about its own product, about its own message, about how it's gonna serve the world and what it does, if it's just trying to fit in and it's a skincare company trying to compete with another Mm -hmm. company or a tech company trying to steal ideas from another company, I am never going to do what you do best. I can copy you. I can copy your style. I can do everything you're doing. But by the time that I get to where you are today, you're going to be a month ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Now, if I step back and I say, hey, I love and respect you for who you are, but I'm just going to be my best version of myself, that's when I start growing. And if brands see it that way, instead of trying to do what everyone else is doing, trying to be the next XYZ in their field, if they say, step back, what is my brand about? How can I serve my customers best? That's how they're truly going to yeah. grow. I
1: love that. We say just stay in your lane. It doesn't matter what's, it. what's next to you, zooming on the other side of you it could be a truck trailer, it could be a sports car. Stay in your lane. Exactly. Right? You have there's a reason for you being here. Yep. Stay in your lane. Well, thank you. This has been so incredible um, for our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Cassandra. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes, and for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at we Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thank you. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much.